0: Master Plumbers Radio, bringing you all the stuff you won't learn in trade school. Uh, hi everyone, I'm your host Daniel Carroll and thanks for joining me for this health and wellbeing special of Master Plumbers Radio, brought to you by Inkalink, the safety net for physical and mental health in the building and construction industry. Now my guest today to discuss all things health and wellbeing is Dr Izzy Smith, uh, Dr. Izzy Smith is an Australian-based endocrinology doctor with a passion for sharing health advice that's easy to digest, promoting evidence-based advice on exercise, nutrition and medicine whilst busting silly health myths by calling out some of the dangerous fads in the wellness and weight loss industry. Izzy's a passionate advocate for mental health, which includes her role as an ambassador and keynote speaker for the Movember and Pucker Up organisations. She's a strong advocate for the physical and mental health benefits of exercise and is the co of of the mental health podcast, Behind the Uniform, and contributes to various health blogs, radio stations, and much more. Best of all, she's super generous with their time, and she joins us today. Welcome, Dr. Izzy Smith.
1: Thank you, Daniel, and thanks for that introduction. I'm a bit overwhelmed by everything you said. I think I could simplify it to, you know, Izzy's a doctor that thinks it's not that hard to be healthy, and she's sick of all the bullshit on social media about health, and also, you know, gets upset by how we don't do more about mental health and thinks far too many people you know, die from suicide and we need to talk about important mental health conversations more. But you did a great job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And again, thanks for your time today. And as I mentioned in the intro, you have a very uh, strong passion for uh, sharing health advice it's easy to digest and after listening to your podcast Behind the Uniform with Captain Hugo Tuvey, and some of the episodes you've done with people like Wayne Schwoss on the Pucker Up podcast I thought it would be a great opportunity to have you share some of your advice with our audience with uh, our audience being predominantly uh, trades um, uh, on behalf of Master Plumbers and there's a lot of um, a wide variety of people that we talk to in our audience, the young apprentices right up to the uh, people who are established in business or maybe even considering a career change from something else and getting into a trade. So uh, in in general, there's um, a lot of stereotypes out there around, you know, what the stereotypical tradie is. Going out and eating a tradie's breakfast and it's a barmaid doing a nice
1: coffee, or it's nothing.
0: So my, <laughs> Something like that. I don't
1: know if I mentioned any. My brother's a builder, so you know I've got some tradies in the family. Oh, a little
0: bit of insight.
1: Yeah, and actually, one of my you know childhood mates is a plumber. So when you told me you were from the plumbers' association, I jumped at the chance because you know Ducky, if you're listening, um, <laughs> he never would have thought I would have been a doctor when he knew me when I was a teenager. So, but it's interesting what you said about stereotypes and. I think if we think about tradies, they're often our kind of arch- archetypal blokey guys and there's nothing wrong with being an archetypal blokey guy. However, we do also know that there's cultures around men and health and caring about our health and that kind of she'll be right attitude and that's where, you know, some great organisations are doing work in that space, you know, Pucker Up, November, that there's nothing wrong with being blokey and you can be blokey and still eat your veggies Go to the doctor once every, you know, one to two years, and if you see something that doesn't seem right, act on it. That doesn't mean you're any less blokey. You're just, you know, looking out for yourself and being there for your family and, you know, long-term well-being. And that's the kind of cultures I want to change.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And and uh, in, you touched on something there where in our discussions in the lead-up to this podcast, we spoke about the importance of health and well-being and how males in particular can sometimes have a hard time really comprehending just how important it is to keep tabs. On our general health, uh, with the dreaded "she'll be right," as you as you mentioned before, being used as sort of more of a deflection for, to deflect any inquiries about from friends and and loved ones and the like. And we also learned that each of us have uh, lost a loved one um, because of that type of uh, attitude and in, in the fact that they left it too late to actually act on something that they they knew within themselves wasn't right, but they were. I'm not sure whether it was a scared or they, they just didn't act on it when they needed to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've got a very personal experience with this. My dad died from cancer and he had a lot of early warning signs and he literally made my mum promise that she wouldn't tell the rest of the family, even though he was losing weight. He had, you know, lumps and bumps that weren't normal. And I think often we distinguish mental health versus physical health, but the cultures and mental health of men not wanting to show weakness, not wanting to ask for help, that extends as far as, you know, thinking that a physical health problem could be perceived as weakness, which is just ridiculous because so much health stuff we don't actually have much control over and then not wanting to ask for help going so far as not wanting to see a doctor. So we talk about that being physical health, but in reality, that's actually just as much mental health and the cultures that need to change so we can improve the physical health stuff. And you're right, most of us have got a story of losing a loved one. And something I talk about when I motivate people regarding behavior and lifestyle changes is finding your why. And for a lot of men, you know, they might not mind if they run into their own health problems. But I say, you know, think about your children, thinking about your wife, what would they do if, you weren't around, what would they do if you couldn't work? And that can be a really strong motivator for, you know, lots of people. Some people just want to have a six pack when they go to the beach. That's also fine. But, you know, finding your why I think is really important.
0: Yeah, and and that's a a very good example of um, something that I can relate to directly. Uh, In preparation for our chat today, I was um, trying to write down a few notes and get some talking points happening and nearly everything that I looked at I ended up coming back to myself and saying, okay, this is something you should be doing. And you hit the nail on the head with the why. Uh, in the last uh, five to six years, I've started my family. I've got two little girls and, um, you know, my wife's always saying, you need to be looking after yourself better because not if it's not for yourself, if it's not for me, it's for uh, our, our little girls, Ava and Isla. And yeah, I look at them and say, look, it's, it's something I've got to do. So, um, you know, constantly looking at things that I could be doing for myself, and I guess this is sort of a little bit um, uh, me being able to reach out to you and have a chat. Is there's a lot of a lot of self interest in this as well? So,
1: and being healthy isn't that complicated. It actually doesn't need to be that hard. And I'd love today to talk about you know small changes adding up in the long term. You don't need to go vegan or keto or go to the gym twice a day, like that's not sustainable. And often I see, especially with men, I think they're kind of all or nothing when it comes to health, but really it's about, you know, small changes in the long run. So
0: Yeah, okay, cool. And now health and wellbeing is a a pretty uh, broad topic. There's many, many different um, things you can tackle. And I thought what we could do today is is separate it down the middle by saying, you know, we'll talk a little bit about uh, physical health and then later on we'll touch a little bit on um, our mental health and the things that contribute to uh, our, our mental health there. Um, and because each one of those is a, a pretty broad topic in itself, I thought we might be able to kick it off by looking at a couple of things that are sort of more common and will be able to resonate with a lot of the people listening. And when you're considering physical health, I'd put that down to, you know, regular exercise, nutrition, eating a healthy diet – Uh, hydration, drinking enough water and then another one that a lot of people sort of uh, let go because it can be a little bit of um, a touchy subject is drug and alcohol awareness. Um, So if we to start with regular exercise or exercise in general, I understand uh, you're a passionate uh, runner. How do you find the time and energy to do something like that when you're a professional person working 60, 70 hours a week or whatever it is and still managing – hard to fit that in.
1: I'd be lying if I said it was easy but <laughs> at the same time my mental well-being and my sense of purpose gets a lot out of that physical activity. So I think for me it's prioritizing that I deserve to spend the time on running you know every other day because you know that's so important for my well-being. Um, and you're talking about you know physical activity and me being a runner. not everyone needs to be a marathon runner to be healthy. If we look at the benefits of physical activity, it's really people that aren't very active and they do a little bit where we really see the big benefits. And something which I'm sure tradies could recognize and you know identify with is, but I'm on my feet all day. Do I really need to do some you know purposeful physical activity on top of that? I'm also on my feet all day, you know, walking between hospital wards, up and down stairs. And while that incidental movement is great, it's really important to get some, you know, purposeful physical activity where our heart rate gets up a little bit. And we actually know now that that physical inactivity and not doing exercise is likely associated with more disease than, you know, obesity for saying. So when we talk about physical activity, it's something that's causing a bit of stress to the body. So we get fitter and stronger and healthier from exercise from giving our body a little bit of stress and then the adaptions and recovery from that stressor is how we get fitter. So if you're never stressing your body in your movement, in your day-to-day job, you're not actually, even though it's still good, it's still movement, you're not actually improving your fitness. So, you know, roughly guidelines say, you know, 30 minutes of exercise most days. And as you said, I think most people know that they need to be doing the activity. The hard part is actually building it into a habit. So, you know, different people, you know, will have different things, but I always say to people, what did you like when you were young? Because, you know, when we were young, exercise wasn't a chore. It was something we loved doing. You look at kids, they're always running around. We actually like physical activity, but our lives have become very sedentary. So I talk about, you know, finding what you enjoy not making it about weight loss because there actually isn't very good evidence that exercise helps us lose weight. And I meet people that they've exercised four times a week for a month and they haven't lost any weight. And they think, Hey, this isn't helping, but exercise itself, regardless of if it helps with you lose weight, it's decreasing your risk of diabetes, which we know is one of, you know, Australia's biggest killers. It's decreasing our risk of heart disease, dementia, um, hypertension, high blood pressure. So, it's decreasing all those kind of metabolic health risks. And when we think about what causes health, you know, problems in men, in young men, it's tragically suicide and accidents. And then in that older than 40 age group, it's really, you know, heart disease is the biggest killer. And especially if you've got a family history, um, you know, being sedentary, overweight, you're really high risk of, you know, heart disease
0: and and you touched on something there with the sedentary lifestyle um I've read and heard a lot about um, sitting is the the new smoking um for someone that works in an office um, and sits a lot of the time i I sort of get where that's coming from but can you explain a little bit more about uh, what that actually means
1: so I love going back to what we evolved and desire you know we' designed to to operate and we used to be nomadic people that were hunter-gatherers and that's how we lived we were always being active so we have a lot of um, hormonal neuroendocrine systems that that work on the premise of us being physically active so things like insulin sensitivity our blood pressure um, the hormones that control those kind of homeostatic mechanisms are often very dependent on physical activity. So if you're sedentary all day, you're not getting those, you know, beneficial hormones, also the mental health benefits of moving, you know, all the endorphins of exercise as well. Um, so you know that sitting is where we really worry about, you know, in increasing the risk of type 2 diabetes, increased blood pressure, and it doesn't need to be much to break it up. You know, even if you do 15 minutes of moderate kind of high intensity exercise, every other day. You're going to significantly decrease your risk of heart disease. So I think, you know, we have these guidelines that say half an hour every day. For some people that's not going to happen, but I really want people listening to know anything that you do, even if it's half an hour once a week, that's going to improve your, you know, all those metabolic risk factors than if you were sedentary. It is better to do a little bit more often than, you know, maybe Two hours on the weekend and nothing during the week, but something is always better than nothing. And like you say, that sedentary and sitting in an office, it is, you know, increasing the risk of kind of heart disease, obesity. And even if you're mixing it up, going for a walk in the day, that's going to be beneficial.
0: And when you, when you look at some of the things that are available to us, you know, you've got gym memberships, you've got uh, all that sort of stuff. And with the rise of, uh, you know, social media platform like Instagram where everyone's fit and buff and all that sort of stuff. Mate, you should try living in Bondi. It's a nightmare.
1: (laughs) I can remember my boyfriend um, moved from Melbourne to be with me and I lived in Bondi at the time and he walked around and he was like, wow, is he? I can tell you're not going out with me for your with bo- for my body <laughs> living around here. Everyone's got so a- many
0: options. <laughs> oh my god,
1: it's ridiculous that Eastern suburbs. And you know, a six pack does not indicate your health. And I think I really want people to listen to that. You know, being a little bit overweight, if you're physically active, your blood pressure is okay. You don't have diabetes. Your health is, you know, you know, you're not going to be significantly increasing your disease risk. So you know, thinness isn't you know the ideals of health necessarily
0: and i'm very glad that you said that because it brings up an, another point that i've i've got down here is um listening to your uh, podcast behind the uniform um I, one of the guests that you had on was scott henderson who's the editor of the um, men's health magazine at the time I'm not sure if he's, he's still doing that but no
1: it's it's back the magazine it's good they've really good. changed their direction it's I'm enjoying the new mental health. Oh, very good. Yeah, keep going. And,
0: and in, in that episode, he said something that really stood out for me. And it was like really, really simple, but it's like makes a huge impact. And that's that your body is an instrument, not an ornament. So for such a simple statement, it sort of made me sit up and listen, you know, you can look a million dollars on the outside, you Instagram look, but um, unless if you're running rough on the inside, you know, it's only going to last so long.
1: It's amazing how many men seem to get so much out of that episode. And I, something I don't think is given enough attention is the pressure on men these days to also look like, you know, your Bondi hunky model. And that is just not realistic for most people. And as you said, your body is an instrument, not an ornament. Looking at physical activity as something you do because you love your body and you want to be healthy and strong, not because you hate your body and you're trying to torture it and make it something that it's never going to be in a sustainable way. You know, some people are never going to be have a six-pack unless they starve themselves, and that is no way to live. And it's really important to recognise that all these healthy behaviours, they're much more important than being thin. And we've actually got studies that show if you're thin and you know, inactive and unfit, your chance of dying is much higher than someone who's carrying a little bit more weight that, you know, can run up some stairs and not feel like they're going to have a heart attack.
0: You know, a lot of people out there will say, you know, I'm I'm sort of limited to what I can do because I've got such a busy lifestyle uh, between work, kids, and all that sort of stuff. How am I supposed to find time to um, get in there and do something that's actually beneficial to...
1: I can identify with that 100%. I can't get to the gym. The extra 15 minutes of driving getting changed that's an extra half an hour and i work 12 hour days so yeah it's not realistic anything that gets you a little bit out of breath i'm a massive fan of steps if you can find a staircase near you where you live and go up and down you know for 15 minutes that's an amazing workout and over time you'll be able to do more steps in that 15 minute window um i think if you don't have much time i'd try and emphasize some aerobic type exercise rather than you know weights and strength but if once you're being able to do some aerobic more than two to three times a week some you know strength and weight training would be beneficial but most of the people who are tradies listening to this podcast probably do some strength activity most days in their work so trying to do that aerobic fitness but you don't need a gym membership everyone lots you either love running or you hate it But most of the people that hate running, it's because they don't run. And if you start going more often, you know, you get fitter and you don't hate it. But, yeah, anything that gets you a bit out of breath. And I think getting your family involved, if there's any people with young kids here, a partner, you know, if you can get your partner involved and that can even be a nice activity you do together, killing two birds with one stone, having a meeting that you go for a walk rather than sitting down, walking meetings are becoming way more popular, you know, getting creative and, You know, my partner and I are super duper busy, and definitely for us, a quality time is you know getting on the bikes together and finally being able to have a proper chat.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm you know constantly reminded by my my wife as well that you know the kids need to be part of this as well, and you know run down to the park and chase them around, and
1: and it's such a good role model for them to see their dad caring about their health and being active and having fun and showing that physical activity shouldn't be a a chore or a torture. It's something that you enjoy and makes you feel good. So I think that's such a gift to give to your children if you can model that behavior.
0: Yeah. So if, if somebody out, if people out there are listening, they've got the option or a little bit of time to do one thing, what, what would you recommend that they do? That, you know, you, you've got a busy lifestyle. If you can do anything, you spare 10, 15, 20 minutes, what, what would be the best use of their time?
1: So, So I'm always going to go back to evidence because I'm a nerdy doctor and I like quoting studies, but 15 minutes of something moderate to vigorous physical, you know, activity, it doesn't really matter what it is, whether it's doing some jumping on an exercise bike and going as hard as you can for two minutes and then going easy and then going hard as you can for two minutes for 15 minutes. That's going to vastly improve your aerobic fitness in a pretty short period of time. Whether I said it's going to some stairs or, you know, some hills, Anything to get you a bit out of breath. But if you want the biggest bang for your buck in the shortest period of time, trying to, you know, get your heart rate up, get sweaty. But if you hate that and that's torture to you, it doesn't need to be that high intensity. You know, going for a walk with a backpack, put your baby on your back and walk up some hills, that's also going to be beneficial. It's hard to give blanket advice because different people have grown up with different relationships to exercise. You know, often tradies are pretty sporty, they may have played footy. So they enjoy that physical activity and that pushing hard, but some people yeah. it's really stressful for them. So, yeah, I can't give a best for everyone, but, you know, if I want to talk about the evidence, it's something that's short and sweet, gets your heart rate up, you know, out of breath, 15 minutes, you know, that's really beneficial.
0: An experiment. It not There's not one thing that's best fits everybody. So just keep okay. trying something until you find something Exactly. That
1: works. Unlike, you know, covers of, I'm not going to quote the magazine because we just talked about it, um, <laughs> but you know, men's kind of fitness magazines that say, you know, the best exercise to lose weight or the best exercise to get a six pack or the best exercise for your heart. That's bullshit. You know, there's no such thing as a single best type of exercise. It's, you know, what works for you, what you can get into your lifestyle sustainably.
0: Very good advice. Now, Another thing that's that's uh, really important to your physical health and I think I'll, um, you know, well and truly put my hand up for this one, it's probably where I'm letting myself down the most, is um, nutrition and eating a healthy diet now. Uh, We already had a little bit of a um, giggle about this before, but most most mornings during the week on the way to work, my breakfast will consist of something like a sausage roll and a a can of energy drink. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I'll get my caffeine through, my high dose of caffeine through something like a Red Bull or a mother. Yeah, a little
1: (laughs) little part of my kind of heart just died when I I read that. (laughs) Um, No, it's um, it's interesting you say about men letting, you know, that's where we let, men let themselves down. And if we look at health behaviours, men actually are usually better at women in everything in terms of physical activity, um, sleep. I can't remember what all of them are, but it's the one that women always consistently beat men is on the fruit and veggie um, consumption. And as you said, you know, lifestyles are suited to the junk food being easier. It's cheaper. It's more accessible. Anyone that is wanky enough to say, oh, it's actually cheaper to eat healthy, yes, you can go to the farmer's markets at 6 a.m. and make your food prep for the week, but realistically it's just not an option for many people and, you yeah. know, you need to have a certain degree of income, you know, health literacy, cooking literacy. But you're right, men, it is a major issue for especially for men's health and women's health as well, but, you know, the food choices we make.
0: Yeah, and when when I talk to like uh, – uh, you said, "Oh, that's something." You know, your your description of your breakfast isn't very good, and you you know that I I know that. And when I tell other people, you know, we'll have a bit of a laugh, and they'll say, "Oh, you know, stereotypical tradey breakfast," and that is bad for me. And I'll laugh nervously and say to myself that I need to do something about it. But come the next day, I'm still stopping at the same place, ordering the same thing. Why do we do this to ourselves?
1: Mm. It's interesting you say that, and I'm not a psychologist, I'm not going to pretend to be, but that discomfort you feel from that nervous laugh, and I think, and I'm going a little bit deep now, but we all have values and when our behaviours don't align with our values, it feels quite uncomfortable. So maybe your values are that you want to be healthy, you want to be eating well, you want to be that feed-active dad. But then if your behaviours aren't aligning with those values, you know, getting the sausage roll and energy drink for breakfast. That is quite a comfortable feeling and that can make us either be a good driver of behaviour change or it can make us feel uncomfortable and kind of hide away into ourselves and, you know, be a bit in denial about it and make up reasons why we can't do that behaviour change. Um, Sorry, not trying to be too confronting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's okay. And I know I've read a lot of stuff about um. Uh, habit forming and all that sort of stuff, what's the what's the rule that they use? It takes however many mm. days to form a habit.
1: It's a bit of, I mean, that's a bit of bullshit. It's about, sorry, I hope you're allowed to swear on this podcast. I've dropped a few. <laughs> that's uh, I'll, I'll
0: add the bleep button in after. <laughs>
1: okay. The petite blonde doctor. You We're know, all dro- adults. Dropping F-bombs <laughs> on the trade podcast. Um, when it comes to habits, you're right. You're really, like there's amazing public health studies that showed if people ate, one or two more serves of vegetables per day, the rates of heart attacks and strokes at a population level would decrease significantly. Um, when it comes to healthy eating, there's always new fad diets: paleo, keto, fasting, carnivore. The carnivore diet's ridiculous, but anyway, the other ones, <laughs> most of them, you know, if we look at the people that are the healthiest and live the longest, they don't follow, you know, any new fad diet. They usually eat lots of fruit and veggies. They take time. They eat their meals with their families and maybe they have a little bit of alcohol and, you know, they have healthy carbohydrates as well. That's called blue zones. They've done studies that show different areas in the world, parts of Japan, parts of Italy, Greece, Cuba, um, parts of California that have, you know, the best longevity and lowest rates of chronic diseases in the world. And they've all got some, you know, similar patterns. And I think, when we talk about nutrition we don't need to complicate it it's eating more fruits veggies real foods less highly processed foods so you know your highly processed food is the sausage roll um it's the you know kind of chips anything that really doesn't resemble real food um you can you know you can't see really what are the ingredients where it comes from and i think for people trying to eat healthy can feel really overwhelming because you're like, where do I even start? Do I need to completely overhaul my diet? For some people to make changes, the complete overhaul is what they need. Because Not physically, but mentally it's what they need. They really need to feel like they're making big changes and they're committing to something. Versus, yeah. i I'm more of a fan of the small changes and adding them in because that seems more sustainable. And, you know, I work in type 2 dose, yeah, I don't know if anyone knows what an endocrine endocrinologist is, but I work a lot with type two diabetes. Okay. So I do a lot of work on habit and behavior changes. And I like to only ever change three things at a time because I think that is realistic and people, I don't want people to feel like their lives are being ruined. I don't want them to feel like being healthier is taking away from their life. I always want to focus on adding more. So it's adding more veggies, adding more water, adding more yep. sleep. Because I feel like as humans, we don't like restriction and we don't like being told what to do. So if you're told you're not allowed to eat a sausage roll ever again, blimey, it's going to make you want to eat a sausage roll even more. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're, you know, a stubborn person like me with a bit of, you know, opposition defiant disorder. Um, I
0: know a few of those people. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so I always focus on adding things. So adding the good stuff. So, you know, um, trying to replace one of the shitty, you know, junk food snacks with something healthy. And Mm -hmm. I think some preparation is required, but we are seeing our environments change. You know, 7-Eleven are starting to do egg salad sandwiches now. You know, get a sandwich rather than a meat pie. It doesn't have to be every day, but at least, you know, three days a week. And in time, you'll actually feel better from eating the good food so you won't want the crappy food as much
0: anymore. Yeah, and 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 something I think is a big part of that as well is, um, you know, the going on from what I mentioned earlier. The rest of my diet's pretty similar. A lot of not a lot, eating takeaway a couple of times a week. You know, not really putting too much thought into what I eat, and I, I think um, I don't know whether it's being lazy or just not bothering to take the time um, to do much different. You know, I I think there's a lot of people in trades will be on the go a lot working in different places all the time and probably find it really hard to find a healthy lunch option out there because, you know, then there are some options out there and there's becoming more and more, um, you know, these days with um, health and fitness being a a pretty pretty popular topic. Um, Well, I
1: think, yeah, and I think we are getting more of a focus and I think the culture with men – is changing that it's, it's not as cool anymore to not care about your health. And, you know, I think we were talking offline about some of your, you know, the young tradies having a, like a lunchbox prepared with, you know, salad and veggies and they're not getting teased for it as much as they may have 10, 20 years ago. Um, And it's interesting you saying, is it me being lazy or not focusing and going back a little bit about the psychology behind behavior change? You know, is it you not, being ready to commit and acknowledge you need to do something about your health, whether yeah. that could be part of the decision-making.
0: And yeah, I think as well, another thing that a lot of people probably don't understand is that a lot of the bad uh, nutrition and diet choices are coming from uh, the things they drink uh, rather than the um, the things they eat, which sort of lends us into the, or takes us into the next topic of hydration and having drink enough water.
1: I'm going to quickly go back to what we said about nutrition. Yeah. And for everyone, I always try and say add a little bit of veggies with each meal, With you know, especially with lunch and dinner. Um, we are going to talk about nutrition but getting rid of soft drinks. There's nothing I tell my patients that they're not allowed to have apart from full sugar soft drinks. I'm like, I don't care about cakes, chips. I want you to still have a little bit of them every now and then, but getting rid of, you know, the soft drinks and trying to have some, you know, lean protein with each meal as well to, you know, keep, keep you full. And I think most of us know what we need to do. And it's about building the habits that make that sustainable. And that's why I try and focus on only a couple of changes at a time and whether that's even getting a frozen meal from the supermarket that you can take to lunch sometimes rather than the, okay. you know, the pie. having It's really basic, having a bloody, you know, some fruit or some, something just in your car, making it, we need to change the environment so it's easier for you to make the healthy choices because humans can't rely on motivation. We've got studies that show motivation only works about 50% of the time. We need it to be a habit. In the same way, if we had to be motivated to go, work every day or we had to be motivated to put our seatbelt on you know these are all things that are habits that we don't think about we don't make a conscious decision about whether we're going to do it or not we need these healthy changes to be a habit so we're not relying on our willpower because the willpower just generally won't work and it's the same with physical activity as well we need to change the environment so it's easy for these things to be a habit there's different Different people um, can create habits differently. Some people need to rely on external motivation, you know, they need, you know, an external source, or some people more internal motivations. I think that's learning about ourselves and what will work for us. But when it comes to nutrition, you know, a few changes and creating the environment around you to make it easier to, you know, keep those changes sustainable.
0: Yeah, and you're saying about wanting to make a change and you know, forming new habits and all that sort of stuff. I find myself, that's one of my triggers. If I do something good at my job and I'm like, I have a bit of a win, i like, oh, go and grab a can of Coke or something like that. And um, it turn, it's it's a bit of a uh, domino effect is that, you know, I used to be in a habit of going to drink, uh, get a glass of water when I was feeling thirsty or whatever. But um, now it's sort of, it doesn't take much to, to go the other way and say, you know, you, you you yeah, associate the reward with, I don't know whether it's the, yeah. the sugar high or the bubbles or I don't know. But
1: even from childhood, you know, we've grown up with maybe if we were good we got a can of Coke and so we've wired our brain. And it's hard if since we were young we've grown up eating sausage rolls, meat pies as the main part of our diet and that's often why we do see our socioeconomic status as well as often linked to our health. But looking at those, those patterns and behaviours that are hardwired and changing the environment so it's easier, you know, if you didn't have a vending machine with Coca-Cola at your work, you probably yeah. wouldn't walk down the shop just to get the Coke.
0: Yeah, I, I get, that's, that's a good point because I have been in workplaces before where, you know, the vending machine has been um, too easy to do and places that I've worked at speed put that sort of distance between where I am and where the bad things are it's like okay I'll get something else <laughs>
1: and that's where public health initiatives now are looking at changing the environment to make it harder to make those unhealthy choices and that's smoking has been an excellent example of a public health initiative that's made it harder to be a smoker you know it costs more you can't smoke at pubs anymore And that's what we need to do now with exercise and nutrition. We need to make the environment harder to be unhealthy and easier to be healthy. And that's, you know, like you say, the vending machine at work and I don't know what your work setup is, but who knows, you could maybe even have a meeting with someone about, you know, what can we do to make our workplace healthier?
0: Yeah. And I think one of those things um, is I see a lot of guys, um, a lot of tradies carrying around their big water bottle that, um, you know, it's, some of those ones you get where it's- I know, the ones with the handles,
1: the yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that look like a massive dumbbell or- you, Yeah. I remember um, working with my dad a long, long time ago. He was a, a retired electrician and um, he always used to have one of those um, insulated containers that was sort of creamy colour on the bottom and orange on the top and that would be his drink for the day and it's- um, yeah, I don't really see too many of those anymore. But um, you
1: yeah, like those it, tradies having the big water bottles. It's making it easier for them to drink water, and even their kind of masculine-looking dumbbell water bottle. I think that's great.
0: <laughs> so when it comes to water and and making sure you're drinking enough, is there is a something to be said that you need to have a certain amount each day to
1: within reason? To there used to be like a public health initiative of you need eight cups of water per day. Now, if you look at someone like me, who's you know very small, versus a guy that's six foot six and twice as wide as me, of course he should need more water than me. His blood yeah. volume is more, um, but we do need a certain amount of water. And I really encourage people to try not to drink. As I said, the only rule I have for my patients is to not drink any sugary drinks. And yeah. it's a shame you get your caffeine from mother drinks, because coffee actually has so many good, um, you know, phytonutrients and antioxidants that those horrid mother drinks don't. Um, but roughly, you know, I would say at least a litre and a half per day. And especially for men, they're prone to kidney stones yeah. um, and getting dehydrated can increase the risk of kidney stones. Also. Okay. Um, which supposedly is more painful than giving birth. I haven't done either myself, but I've seen some grown men definitely kind of crying out in agony um, with okay. kidney stones. That's a,
0: that's a good reason to sort it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, and also um, your kidney health as well, making sure that you're getting enough blood flow to the kidneys is important. Um, people can often get, you know, posh when you stand up and getting a bit dizzy. That's definitely a sign that maybe you need to drink a little bit more water as well. And you know a tradie standing on a roof with a power tool who gets dizzy when they stand up kind of makes me a bit anxious.
0: Yeah, it would would indeed. And I get postural hypertension. Um, I'm six two six three, and I don't really drink too much water. I I thought uh, this is pretty naive, but you know, thinking that whatever, as long as it's liquid, it's got some type. Some count of water in there?
1: No, that is true, you know, that it does have some water. And if we all needed two cups a day, a lot of people wouldn't be alive right now because even our food has some water content. But, you know, drinking enough, you know, the pee test is a very easy test. If you wake up in the morning and your pee is really dark, you're not drinking enough water. Okay. And if you're feeling dizzy when you stand up, that's probably another cue. But I'd really try and focus on getting a bit more of the water intake than just, you know, the, the Cokes or the kind of coffee.
0: Yeah. Okay. And when, when you're not drinking enough water, is there, you know, health concerns we can be, you know, bringing upon ourselves if we're...
1: I, I'm probably not going the direction that you're wanting to. People do talk a lot about drinking enough water. I think it's a pretty, compared to things like eating it, you know, the right fruits and veggies, I think, you know, health concerns of not drinking enough water are much less than those other big lifestyle factors. Most people's kidneys can, you know, our kidneys is what makes urine. So if we're not drinking as much water, our kidney will recycle more water so that we don't don't get really dehydrated. But like I said, the risks with being chronically dehydrated, poor performance cognitively, um, you know, not being able to concentrate at work, our kind of cells not being able to communicate with each other properly, that increased risk of kidney stones, the less blood flow to the kidneys, Feeling sluggish, lightheaded, those types of things. So you know, if you're always feeling, you know, a bit, you know, in the afternoon, and you realise I haven't drunk any water all day, and you've got a bit of a headache, you can't concentrate. It might be that you know you just haven't drunk any water. And I have that at work sometimes. when I'm really busy. I'm like, shit, I don't think I peed all day. <laughs> um, so that's,
0: that's a, a good, good reminder. Our, our bodies will always let us know.
1: But sometimes we we lose the cues from our bodies because we're always like that so we've kind of forgot and that's like hunger and appetite even sometimes if we always overeat we don't actually know what's hungry and what's not we the messages get confused so for some people they need to force themselves to get used to drinking more water and then those thirst cues will kind of reestablish and normalize a bit but you know especially if you're working and you're sweating i'd want you to be replacing those fluids so if you yeah, know tradies course. that are working i think all tradies Probably do sweat a bit if it's something physical. You'd be wanting to keep a big bottle of water with you every day.
0: And the the last thing I'd, I'd like to cover as part of our physical health is does involve a liquid, and that's um, the topic of uh, drug and alcohol awareness. So I'll say from the outset, I've I've never been one that's to be too keen on drugs. It's um, you know it happens out there, and you know that's. Uh, up to the person that's involved. Um, it's never really been something uh, that's sort of interested me but I am keen on a beer every now and then um, like a lot of people are and I think it would be pretty common topic for people out there whether it's, you know, one or the other or a combination of the both and I've heard a few stories across the years of um, people not really fully understanding the effects of what they're doing to their bodies whether it's consuming one or the other and one of the more common consequences, I guess, out of that would be getting in trouble by not understanding the effects on your body in the days that follow. Um, people getting picked up for a high BAC um, because they don't realise that it takes longer than what they thought for the alcohol to leave their system. Um, what? what do you have any, any advice on sort of coming to terms with all of that sort of stuff or?
1: Yeah, it's a topic I love talking about because it's so common and I don't think there's enough attention given to it and, you know, alcohol, especially because it is so normalized and then illicit drugs aren't talked about because they're in, you know, quotation marks illegal, but so many young people do them. And yeah. young people, you know, risk taking and dangerous behaviors is a developmental part of people's brains. You know, you've got tradies that are starting, you know, staying their apprenticeships when they're 17. Frontal lobes of their brain are still developing and calculated risks are an important part of that development. So you'd yeah. be foolish to not, you know, acknowledge that lots of, you know, 20 year old guys are going to be, you know, taking pills and going to nightclubs or festivals or whatever. Um, so talking a little bit about illicit drugs, there we can, you know, break the side effects down into kind of mental and physical health, you know, concerns. Yeah. I think I'd be foolish to come on a tradie podcast and say, you know, you shouldn't take drugs and you shouldn't do alcohol. Um, yeah. That's not realistic, as I said, for those reasons that it's a normal developmental part is risk-taking and people are going to. Um, when it comes to illicit drugs, often... You know, they're a release for people. They give you big floods of, hey, there's the water bottle. Okay, this isn't an audio podcast, but and he was just reached over for his water bottle after my kind of lectures on not drinking <laughs> soft drink. Um, you know, illicit drugs give us a big flood of dopamine and happy hormones. And my concern from a mental health benefit is if people's mental health, and we're gonna talk about mental health later on, if you're mentally struggling and you're really stressed, and then you're relying on that, those drugs to feel better on a Friday night, feel less anxious and less stressed, then a couple of days later you're going to feel like utter shit and then you're probably going to feel back to kind of normal on Wednesday and then you're still stressed and then that cycle repeats. So, you know, if anyone's listening and you're taking illicit drugs, you know, whether it's cocaine, um, kind of NDMA, ecstasy tablets every weekend or every other weekend, really have a think about what's driving that behaviour and if it could be, you know, an underlying anxiety or mental health problem that needs addressing rather than band-aiding it with illicit drugs. That's the kind of mental health side of things. And then the physical health side of stuff, you know, these they release big amounts of sympathetic hormones into our system, so noradrenaline. Um, noradrenaline makes us feel good, um, but it also increases our blood pressure and increases our heart rate. So, you know, cocaine other kind of stimulants ecstasy they do increase the risk of heart attacks strokes that type of thing if you've taken drugs and you feel sick or someone you know is sick please just come to the hospital you know we're doctors we're not police we're not you know we're not enforcing the law we do not care if someone has you know taken however many drugs we want to look after you and get you better and we don't call the police there's no you know that's not a thing I've lost count of how many GHB overdoses I managed in ICU Um, and there's no legal stuff involved but you know we can't help you unless you come in so that is really important also knowing where you know there's always going to be batches of I don't know if this is you know the advice you're wanting but I'm wanting to be realistic because saying you know don't take drugs they're bad oh for sure which you know they are and people die from you know heart attacks and strokes on you know cocaine other stimulants Um, but I think saying no one should have them is not actually realistic advice and I would you know I hope people do cut down or not take them but if you do and you feel sick you know come into the hospital and also try and know where you're getting them from because there's always going to be bad batches of drugs and unless and usually it's not until a few people die that we find out that that is a bad batch of drugs so and I'm a real advocate for pill testing and I think that is something that will hopefully you know it's been done overseas it doesn't increase the risk of illicit drug use and I'm hoping that will become more commonplace but yeah you know to so think why am I doing this is it a mental health disorder do I need this to have fun do I have an underlying social anxiety disorder do I not have close friends and it's only by taking drugs that I can feel like I can connect to them so reflecting on those things and then if you are taking them trying to be safe um Sorry, that was pretty long-winded. We haven't no, that's that that's, that's great.
0: That's great info. And again, I want to just echo what you are saying before about this isn't any type of lecture type thing. It's just giving people the information to uh, enable them to make a, a more informed decision on on what they're doing next time. Like it's not a call out to say don't don't do this,
1: don't do that. Don't do drugs, exercise an hour every week. <laughs> don't have any junk food, only eat vegetables and water. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to alcohol, this is one I'm I'm really passionate about because I see more lives ruined by alcohol than any other drug. And, yeah. you know, what really upsets me is that, you know, we happily give people a carton of beer on their 18th birthday and that's normal and socially acceptable, You've got the 45 year old guy who's lost his his job because he's an alcoholic and he's lost touch with his children. we look down on him, you know, and we say, you know, what a drop kick couldn't get his shit together. And, but here we are normalizing this highly addictive substance and, you know, having it easily accessible and so much stigma around alcoholism that I don't think people get proper help. And it's not, you know i am biased because i'm a doctor and i see the other side but alcohol it you know increases the risk of lots of different types of cancers which i think people don't understand they think it's just smoking that causes cancer but alcohol causes liver disease but alcohol increases the risk of bowel cancer pancreas cancer prostate cancer um esophagus cancer there's a few other ones so it's not even that high alcohol consumption if you're having more than a couple of beers a day you're increasing your risk of cancer and then um, the anxiety associated with alcohol as well um when we drink alcohol it's a when people talk about it being a depressant they don't mean it's like a it makes you sad wah wah depressant it depresses your neural activity a little bit like a valium tablet does okay so um benzodiazepines so like Valium or diazepam, they act on the same receptors that alcohol do, so they're inhibiting the system and slowing everything down. As a response to that, our body creates more um, excitatory receptors to try and equal out our neural function. When you sleep off the alcohol and you don't have that inhibit, you know, inhibition in your system, you have all the extra excitatory receptors and that's why people feel anxious the day after alcohol. So, you okay. know, you might feel a bit kind of chest feels a bit tight, a little yeah, bit. I know the feeling. Oh, it's the worst. It's, <laughs> I call it anxiety or beer fear um, And so, you know, I think with alcohol as well and what's something I really encourage is, you know, if people are trying to cut down on alcohol, please, you know, support and encourage them. You don't know what's going on, on the other side. You don't know if they've been struggling with alcohol. Did they grow up with a dad that was, you know, abusive when he drank? We don't know, you know, the trauma or triggers that may be associated with alcohol. So, you know, it causes cancer, causes poor mental health. Yes, it's fun. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. You know, I love a few glasses of wine as much as anyone else and it can be enjoyed in moderation, but knowing it is a drug, it has lots of side effects. And, And I think it's great. Cultures are changing and we are actually drinking less and millennials are the first generation now that are drinking less than the generation before. And I think, you know, I'm a massive fan of zero alcohol beers because I think it is a real bonding experience for guys to, you know, have a few beers after work and whether it's mixing up some of your normal strength beers with some alcohol free ones, you know, decreasing that total alcohol consumption. If you're realizing you're relying on alcohol every day, like if you need to have a couple of beers to unwind at night, you know, I think that's a bit of a, a sign that it could be a bit of a problem and, you know, needs addressing that underlying cause of that rather than just the alcohol itself.
0: Okay, it's good to know. So, um, you know, pr- most people out there would probably be more familiar with the alcohol side of things rather than the drugs. But um, if if you're going to be sort of moving forward with some type of change in your, or your lifestyle, is it just a matter of um, sort of looking at what you're doing and trying to cut back or understanding why? I think both. Both? A little bit of both? You know, okay. I think –
1: we need, you can't really have one without the other. Yeah. And I think some of that reflection is often the harder part, you know, reflecting on why, you know, and I've gone through phases where I've been such a set that I've realized I was relying on alcohol. And that's actually what got me really into running because I thought I can't okay. every Friday night have to be like, what will get me through these days? Knowing I can go and, you know, get plastered with my girlfriends at a cocktail bar on Chapel street. Um, and, I got into endurance running because, you know, I, I realised I needed something to, you know, fill that void. And, yeah, and so I don't think it's one of the other. I was never an alcoholic and I still have drinks now, but, you know, not needing that alcohol for the release. And so, yeah, I definitely think it's both.
0: And, you know, you've got a couple of different categories of people when it comes to, um, you know, alcohol in particular, the people that drink regularly. I'll p- I'd put myself into the other, ca- other category of people that drink sometimes, but it could sometimes lead into like a bit of a binge where, you know, you save your drinking for going out and for a party or whether it's just a, a, a night out with the boys. And I think for me, um, drinking, you sort of, you lose that inhibition that tells you enough's enough.
1: <laughs> yeah. Alcohol inhibits part of our kind of decision-making Frontal part of our brain so things that we would never think are a good idea when we're sober suddenly become okay and actually something important. karaoke yeah <laughs> <laughs> calling ex-boyfriends at 3am no um the other thing with alcohol especially relevant to young men is that it's associated with increased accidents and traumatic deaths and also associated with increased suicide risk as well and we're going to do another episode about mental health, but we actually know suicide is often an impulsive decision. It isn't necessarily associated with underlying depression always. Um, so our decision-making with alcohol as well can also be impaired. But we'll talk about that another on the other episode, but with alcohol... Um, unfortunately, we can't save our one drink per week and have them all on the weekend and not have their same health risks. Um, and you know, okay. as per, I know as per the guidelines in saying that no one likes a hangover. Um, it is that you know, more trying to you know limit how many alcoholic drinks you sit, have in one sitting is beneficial as well as the total alcohol you know consumption over a week. Okay.
0: Well, thank you very much for your information sharing on physical health aspects of um, health and well-being. And um, we stay stay tuned for episode 2 when we talk a little bit more about the mental health side of things.
1: You're welcome Daniel. I hope people may find some benefit from all the things we talked about from illicit drug use to drinking enough water per day and my main message that I'd like to say to guys is no small no change is too small. You know, even little things add up and you don't need to overhaul your life to become healthier and you know, never be too scared to start with the smallest change.
0: You've been listening to Master Plumbers Radio. Check out the Master Plumbers website at plumber.com.au or hit us up on email at podcast at plumber.com.au. You can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram.